Welcome to this week's edition of the Program Builders. Alongside Coach Kevin Lovers, I'm Donnie Smith. Glad to have James Long, the men's basketball coach at West Virginia Tech, joining us. And Coach Lovers, you know, we've, we've had a chance to talk with a number of coaches on this. A lot of them you've interacted with in the past, played against, and uh, it's been interesting. A lot of them you have happy stories talking about. Great game this year at the show. Unfortunately, just came up a point shy of, of Coach Long's group, but still you have had a chance to observe him and, and his program. Just kind of share some insights into uh, what you've taken away from Coach Long. Yeah, uh, thanks. And thanks, James, for coming on. We're, we're happy to have you. Um, I think, you know, we had a great game this year, uh, and I just walked away so impressed. Um, you know, you, you come sometimes to these, these tournaments like we play in at the show, and you don't really – I don't know all these guys. I know a lot of people have been doing this for a while, but I, you don't know everybody, right? So every time I get a chance to meet uh, somebody new, I, I really enjoy it. And the cool thing for me was just to watch some of the behind the scenes stuff that other people don't notice, you know, like I'm walking to breakfast and I see uh, Coach Long and his assistants over there with a small pot of players watching film and just the way they interact with each other. Or I look down the bench during the game and even though the game's going on, I I pay attention to culture type stuff and, and, you know, his whole bench is up and down engaged in the game dialed in possession by possession. And, and anytime I see that, I get really curious about what's in the water over there. And so, um, you know, I have a ton of respect very quickly uh, for coach long, what he's doing at West Virginia tech. Uh, and I can't wait to get this thing rolling and, and see if I can't take some good notes here and be the best thief I can possibly be. Uh, from West Virginia Tech basketball and Coach Long. Coach, you're not yeah. too – go ahead. I don't – I just want to interject too because I, I share the same sentiment um, about Coach Lovers. And, you know, I, I, can't, I can't say enough about our one-time interaction in terms of our teams playing. You know, like I said, share the same sentiment. And, you know, Coach Moore at Grace, you know, talked to me about Coach before we played and said this is a great guy. And right when I uh, met him for the first time, it confirmed it. And it was just a great competitive game. And it was, it was done the right way. And I think, you know, I'm not just saying this, like, you know, good luck and bad luck happens in your life and it's what, what you do with it. And, you know, we definitely ran into some good luck. Like, you know, the, they called 725 fouls in the game and Riley Minnix happened to get two of them to start the game. And I mean, he's probably the best player we played against all year. And I've watched a lot of basketball and he's probably best player. In, I mean, in certain, in certain aspects, how you look at the game, he's probably the best player in the country. You know, maybe not accolades, but uh, he's definitely the toughest, most versatile and just well-coached kid we run into. And the whole team, like it was everyone. And I think the best compliment you can give a uh, team is that they understand who they are. And that takes a coach who's very clear and explaining how they fit into the team's vision. It's apparent that Southeastern was probably the best team we ran into in regards to that. So, And then last thing, just talking about coach, when I met him again at the Final Four in New Orleans, you know, I thought he was a great coach and a great guy. And then just getting to know him a little bit more, talking to him a little bit more, it just confirmed it. And, um, you know, he's kind of the reason, you know, you feel good about certain coaches in the country and that there are people doing things the right way. And it's obvious that he does it that way. And, you know, definitely rude for Southeastern every time we don't play him. Appreciate you're that. Not, you're not too far removed from your playing days at West Virginia. Does, does being one of the younger guys kind of help you relate to your team at all? For sure. I, I think, um, you know, it, it can be a great thing and it can be a really tough thing as well. Um, I'd say that my my first year at video, as video coordinator really helped me uh, get ready to be a head coach young. 
because I had the luxury of being able to do it at West Virginia where I had played. And, you know, I went from, you know, I, I would like to say that I was a, one of the leaders of the team and I went from really engaging with everybody uh, in all facets of life um, as a teammate from having to go about being more of a professional stance. And, you know, like Javon Carter was one of my best friends on the planet and we did everything together. And then it turned into, you know, we'll, we'll do everything together in this facility, but outside of here, you know, I really have to draw that line of, you know, I have to come at you in a professional manner, um, you know, and draw that line. And then that really helped me here of, you know, when guys see a young coach, they think, oh man, this young guy is going to be cool. He's going to let me do my thing. He's going to, you know, um, you know, he's going to be one of us. And, you know, you really have to draw that line really early of what this is, what's acceptable. This is what's not, um, you know, we say one thing, it's kind of funny, but we say, you know, no locker room talk. Like if this is something you guys would talk about in the locker room, we don't want to hear it. And, you know, we're here, we're engaged with you. I think that empathy um, is something I definitely have for a college athlete. And it's really important to keep working on that skill. And um, it's a good thing, but that line that I had to draw at West Virginia really helped me um, be a head coach young. Yeah. That, that is interesting coach. I, you know, I was, I was a player at the school that I went to, but then when I became a coach at that school, it was for a different head coach. Right. So mm -hmm. the culture was a little bit different and, and there was a little bit different shift there, but it was still one of those things where it's, and that was years ago. And I could just remember, it was like, man, how do I really draw that line? Cause, cause you want to be friendly, but you're not friends mm -hmm. anymore. Right? right. And that's, that's a really tough way to be um and it's probably as hard on you as it is on on the players because it's one of those boundaries that a lot of them at least from my experience they they wanted that boundary too like they they wanted to respect you and they wanted to have that but you really have to draw the line and decide where are those boundaries so what are some things that you think um and i'm, and I'm going to say this as younger coaches because i love younger coaches uh, i think mm -hmm. I, I can't get enough of it but but what are some things you think that younger coaches are doing really really well right now that maybe some of us older bald guys could take some better notes on. See, I knew coming on this podcast, and I'm probably going to take a little bit before each question because I really I try to be thoughtful. So I'm going to think on this for a second. But, um, you know, the main thing I think, and it's even different for me now, like I have a fiance and a dog now, and I love them more than anything. Like even my dog, like I want to spend time with my what dog kind of, as much. What kind of dog are we rocking? Uh, golden Retriever. I love okay. him to death. You got a name on the on the pup? Uh, Hinge. 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 Okay. Yep. Any any origin to that? Yeah. So I mean, I, I'm fine sharing this. My my fiance gets gets a little weird when I share it, but you know, I'm I was in like a small town, Beckley, West Virginia, and my mom um, lives in Charlotte, and it's really hard to you know meet people when you're a coach. And there's this app where it's like more professional, and like you know, it's not just one of those weird apps. But it was called Hinge, and me and my wife or my fiance met on Hinge, and it was. Wow you know, kind of the dog, we always wanted to get a dog together. So then when we got it, it just kind of seemed like the symbol that kind of, you know, brought us together. So we named, named them Hinge. So I'm not, I'm not weird sharing about it, man. I am who I am. So, you yeah, know, just, <laughs> you thought you were coming on here to talk about hoops and program, but we're really going to talk about golden <laughs> no. and how you met your wife, but which is I good. Hope it, but I, I hope it blasts out there. So, so I don't have to answer it every time. <laughs> All right. Keep, keep it rolling with your, with your answer there about, you know, what, what do you think the edge is for a younger coach? So I think I had the luxury of, and it's not necessarily a luxury. I love my life um, more now than I did when I was single. And I think that, you know, when you're young and you're single, you have so much time that you can invest in your team. And, um, you know, the, those younger coaches have that availability. And I think that availability builds trust. And 
um, mm-hmm. you know, it builds that, that trust when it does build, you can push your team and they want to play harder for you. And I'm, you know, I think at tech where we're at in our um, culture now is that I, I can, I can leave right from practice and go see my fiance and dog and spend the rest of the night with them and still be able to push this team and really push their boundaries because I've invested so much time for when I was a young single guy in West Virginia. And uh, I just think that availability and that time is really important. And then just youth in general, like you're, you know, you, you're not like doomed as a coach. If you have a fiance and or a wife or whatever, like there's just, you have to be more efficient with your time. And um, I just think that younger guys, it's not necessarily about the coach. It's more about the perception uh, coming from the team. And um, you just have to be really clear in who you are and, you know, where, where you're at. Like I tell the team all the time, they're like, oh, you're running out of here to see your fiance. I'm like, you're right. Yeah. I've seen enough of you guys today. Like, yeah. <laughs> I have a family. Yeah. And, you know, we, we do spend a lot of time. And I would say probably the best thing we do as a staff is we're, we're very available. So yeah. it's um, I think that's why they, they play so hard, just building yeah. that trust. Yeah, and they do play hard. And it's amazing, too, to watch. Um, you know, one, one observation I had, too, was just – James's team is so locked in on what they want to get accomplished from a game plan perspective. And it's just not an accident when you see something that's that methodical. And it was really cool. It didn't even matter if guys were getting foul trouble, subbed out, whatever. It was the same exact, Thank you know, you. exactly where we want to squeeze. And we're not going to stop squeezing until the 40 minutes are up. It was pretty cool. Tell Thank me you. about, um, you know, you show up, you get the phone call. Hey, we want to offer you the job, right? That's kind of your first head coaching job, mm-hmm. right? What's going through your mind? And then where did you go to start? You know, what were some of the things that you worked on early on to really start building the culture that you wanted to have? It's a great question. And I I told I like, I get really excited just talking about building program. I I enjoy reading about CEOs more than I I don't read basketball. I don't like, I watch a bunch of basketball. You have to, you have to eat it up, but I read about the best leaders and the best leaders, no, no offense to basketball, but the best leaders in the world right now aren't, aren't all there. There are some great ones, but um, great question. I think that I had been there so many times in my head and I don't mean that in a cocky way. I just meant that like, I knew I wanted to be a head coach. So I was going to do everything I could to prepare. So I was getting, you know, a lot firsthand at West Virginia. Um, and then any time I had, like I have notebooks just written down of the best leaders I have, like, I, you know, my favorite book, good to great by Jim Collins. Like I live it. I I really try and like live that out. And, um, you know, I just, I like, I like, if you ask our staff, I write everything I can down. And I just would, if I listen to a podcast and I was like, man, coach Jay Wright does this incredible. I'll write it down and I try and log everything. And I just had been note taking and, um, really studying the best for so long that I had a lot of confidence, but even when you're getting ready to, you know, take that job, there's a lot of uh, anxiousness. And I think Coach Huggins believing in me really pushed me over the top of being confident to go, you know, approach that first year. And then Coach Harrison, the associate head coach at West Virginia, just told me, he's like, you know, James, it's like being a dad. You don't know until you do it. Like, just go be yourself. And, you know, that's it. I feel like that's the best advice I've, I've gotten. And I just tried to do that. And um, thankfully, I had Coach Sturm. And I know people thank their staff and, you know, say you know I wouldn't be where I was without this I would not be West Virginia Tech basketball would not be what it is without coach Stern like I I don't tweet a lot but I tweeted out on his birthday one time like 
you make the Golden Bears what they are. And he, and he does, as, along with Coach Wilmore. But Coach Sturm, the reason I'm harping on him is he came here sight unseen on a volunteer contract from day one. And we drove to meet all the players in person together, every one of them that was coming back. And he's doing all this. And, you know, I get all the credit. He's just as responsible for building this as I am. Like I'm the voice and I'm getting all the attention, but this was me and coach Sturm and then coach Wilmore came a week later and we met on everything we did, you know, like we've argued a bunch. We've, we've, that's what you're supposed to do. Like culture is not all rainbows and butterflies. And, you know, we would talk about what do we want this program to look like? How does tech separate itself from everyone else? Like what is, what's going to make us, what's going to make West Virginia tech the best? Cause we're not Southeastern. We're not uh, Georgetown. We're not, um, oh, you're you're actually better than Southeastern. You beat no, 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 no. <laughs> what what a, what, I'm not going for that. <laughs> uh, you know, but that. What about like one or two words that you'd put on that? So you get kind of settled with him on. Hey, these are these are a couple of our separators. So these are going to be what West Virginia Tech. Yep, good question. What if you had to put it in like just one or two word phrases? What would some of those be for you guys? So our two things we say are uh, first thing is care. Um, and West Virginia people, I'm not just saying this, are caring people. They care, like we care about each other. It's not fake. It's not, um, you know, I hope you do well, but not better than me. The, the people I've been in around in West Virginia my whole life, they want you to do well. And it doesn't matter if it's better than them. They want the best for you. And I think that our, um, you know, there's this family here in town named the Darbies and the amount of stuff they do for people, it's inspiring. And, you know, just all the West Virginia people in general, like what's going to separate us from everyone else caring about each other, you know, caring about coming in here to get better. And then it actually ended up being an acronym for like just things we believe in, like uh, the C is clarity. I think you have the clarity has to permeate through your whole program, scouting reports, staff, players, they have to know where they fit in. Uh, A is accountability. You know, you say you want to you say you want to play, you say you want to do this stuff. We're going to hold you accountable to it. Like we are going to go off what you tell us. And if you don't like it, like that, that's the thing with accountability is we're not made. We didn't put words in your mouth. You told us this is what we meet about what you want to do. And then when you say you want to do that, we are going to show up every day to hold you to that standard. And if you're not okay with that standard, you're not going to like it here. Like if we're, we're young, we're this, but we will hold you accountable all, every day the same way. And you will not enjoy it here. If you want to be something and you don't want to be held to that standard and then the r was reaction but last year it molded to well response is probably a better word because if you react you didn't think about um what you just did but if you choose your response then you have control over your emotions you have control over you know what happens to you and then the e is effort like you just have to give effort um into doing what you're doing so you know those four things weren't just like hey let's come up with an acronym on this it was things we talked about and I think clarity was probably the most important thing that coach Sturm coach Wilmore and I wanted to make sure permeated through like if um, you know year one new guys working together we struggled with that a little bit as a staff and you know we had a you know that accountability came in like no when we're not just gonna go out here on a whim and say hey we're icing this ball screen without talking about it why does the ice make sense what are we trying to accomplish? And let's make sure we all understand why and make sure we're, that we're saying the same thing. Because if I tell a player something and then Coach Sturm tells a player another thing, they're not going to trust us and they're not going to go execute it fast because there's going to be uh, hesitation. 
James, I think back about 17 years ago uh, when I first got started in broadcasting, came in with a lot of energy. I was going to set the world on fire. Joe Buck better watch his back because I'm taking <laughs> over. But I think there comes a time early on in everybody's career where they kind of get that punch in the stomach moment to where you, you realize what you didn't realize to an extent. And it kind of humbles you a little bit and kind of gives you a refocus. Have you had one of those punch in the stomach moments early on in your career? Yeah, it's called Shawnee State. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> no, it's, you know, it, it's just that happens. That's going to happen for the rest of my life. You know, that's going to happen every year. You know, no one has life figured out. Um, I think that you just got to, like I said in the beginning, there's good luck that happens in your life and bad luck that happens in your life. And that's what you do with it. And, you know, you can, I saw a great graphic on Twitter yesterday and it was a guy holding up like three cinder blocks and it said failure and it was weighing down on him. And then uh, he, there was a guy next to him standing on three that said lessons. So I think like, you know, when bad things happen to you, it's just, you, you learn from it. And I think we do a great job of that here. Um, one thing I try and do after each season is just watch every loss. And I just call it an autopsy. And I got it from Jim Collins and you just go through and, for me, it's kind of like just padding the game like Bill Belichick talks about. And you just, you know, what are the things we could have done differently? Like, how were we preparing going into that game? Um, what are some – and it's really about me, like what what I did wrong and, you know, what what I could do differently the next time. And it's something that's really helped me and I think it help a lot of people. Because I think if, as coaches, if we're checking ourselves, um, the game of basketball is going to be healthier. When you, when you think about where you guys are at, James, and I know one of the things is we talked with um, other coaches about scheduling, right? When you're thinking about mm -hmm. putting your schedule together, and I know you put a lot of time and effort into trying to put your team in the best spot possible uh, for mm -hmm. postseason play. And, and a lot of your schedule for all of us isn't, isn't up to us, right? It's whatever conference we play in, and, and then you have to weigh that out against you know, where you want to be at the end of the season, the types of teams you need to be equipped to, to beat. Um, when you think about scheduling and philosophy, maybe talk to some people out there about which, where your head's at with, with why you guys do what you do at West Virginia Tech with scheduling. Yeah, it, it's tough. And I'm, I'm brutally honest. So if I rub people the wrong way, it's fine. I'd rather, you know, be honest. But like, you know, a lot of people, first off, we'd love to do a bunch of different things. But sometimes we have to take what we can get because people don't answer the phone. You know, people want to you know, build up their non-conference and um, keep it moving and hope and pray that they accomplish what they need to in league. But, you know, we're trying to play the best teams possible. When I, when I talked to Ken French, I said, give me the best two teams at the show. And we had Southeastern. And that was probably the best win we had all year. And you know what? Like, why not? I think if you – so long, just I'll answer your question because I, I ramble, but, and then I'll ramble, but you know, it's like um, we schedule as hard as we can in non-conference being real. Our league is in the bottom tier of leagues in the country. So we have to, like, if something happens, you run into injuries and you don't perform in league, like at least you have that to stand on. Look what we did in the non-conference. So you give these guys a chance to keep playing if they don't win the conference tournament. So that's the main thing. We want to schedule the best. But just to ramble on it, like, as coaches, why not? Like, why why don't you want your players to have the best experience possible? Like, we're going to go to the show every year because it's in a great resort. You walk downstairs. It's a D Division One experience. 
You know, we try and schedule a division one team every year. Why not? So the kids, so the kids can say they played a division one team and then we want to schedule the best. So you can say, I played the number one team in the country. I played top 10 team in the country because you can tell yourself whatever you want at the end of the year uh, when you're playing as a player, you know, you know, Oh, okay. We're battle tested. We played Southeastern. We played Shawnee. We played these people. And then we went in league, which is hard no matter what league you're in and did that. If you didn't play anybody non-conference and you're just familiar with your league and you're playing West Virginia Tech and you you don't know what to expect, you can say whatever you want. But once that first 10 minutes happens, you know, like we've been here before or we haven't. Our guys will always know we've been here and we say it all year. You guys have been there. You have nothing to worry about. You've been there. I don't know what's going to happen on the scoreboard, but you have that confidence to back on. I've been there because as coaches, you can I can schedule, I can find 10 games and make my resume look good. But that's not what I'm in it for. Like I'm in this to be the coach I would have wanted to play for. So yeah. Um, well, and it's funny because I I think, you know, sometimes I at least for our guys, I'm I'm sure you're wired the same way. That they, they don't want to play boring games. Mm-hmm. Right. They wanna we had a stretch this year. We played I don't even know how many really, really good teams, pretty much all right in a row. I mean, St. Francis and Grace and Olivet and, you know, it's just that Florida at Christmas time is a pretty nice place to be. So people come down here, but it's like, and I told our guys, I'm like, I'm going to, we're going to play everybody that's willing to play us. We're going to play. And, you know, we talked a little bit uh, with a couple other coaches about um, not being afraid to fail. Right. And in our world, failing is losing to some people, right? It's not necessarily to me, that's not the interpretation, but to some people, you know, if you lose, you're a failure, right? And mm-hmm. versus um, it's an op- it's always an opportunity, right? And and you may win, you may lose, but you can't be afraid of the moment, right? right. If you're going to be afraid of the moment, then your schedule will look a lot like that, <laughs> right? right? And if you're not going to be afraid of the moment, then you're really going to, um, you know, put yourself out there. So I've always appreciated watching you guys do that. I know you're you're not running for cover, right? You're trying to no. you're trying to prepare yourself to be able to play in the national tournament at a high level and win the thing. And if you don't know what's required once you get there because you've played those teams, then it's pretty difficult to to really map forward towards that. So I think it's a pretty pretty cool perspective. So, Donnie, what do you, you got? James Long at West Virginia Tech is our guest. You've been through the recruiting process as a player. You now get to be on the other side of that as a coach. Uh, give us a couple of insights. What's what's something an athlete should know about the recruiting process or do, or and what's something a parent should do or know about the recruiting process? Um, you know, I didn't get recruited a lot as a player. Uh, I was a walk-on at West Virginia. I mean, I did, I did get recruited. I got recruited, you know, I, I'm still so upset with myself. Like it was division one or bust for me. And it was so naive and wish I could go back and just find the right fit play and compete. Cause I love to compete more than anything, but I don't regret anything. You know, I am where I am because of what I did. And um, I think the main thing for me that we're trying to accomplish in the recruiting process is just to be overly clear. Uh, you may rub people the wrong way, like I said, but you know, if you're clear about, Hey, this is what we, ex- you know, what we think, uh, this is where you would fit in. This is what your experience is going to be like. Uh, with some, we haven't done a great job of, in you know, three years in, in terms of being great, like we've done a good job, but where we want it to be, you know, we've learned a lot of lessons in three years. Like, I don't think we were clear enough during COVID about, you know, what it's like here. And, you know, when you want to be a part of a winning team, it's hard. Those standards are hard 
Like it's not just fun all the time. And Ben McCollum said this one time for Northwest Missouri, he was just like, you know, the difference between second and fourth isn't big, but the difference between first and second is, and, you know, we try and have those first place habits and it's hard here. Like, you know, if you come from a program where you did, you, you know, there weren't a lot of standards and you got to, you know, do whatever you're going to struggle. And if you don't embrace it and try and work at it, it's going to be, it's going to be hard for you. So I think this summer, we've really tried to just be overly clear about it. it is difficult. And if you embrace it, you will get better here. And um, I think that's just the main thing just honesty in a business where people like to label it as, um, you know, people just lie to you. They just take advantage of you, you know, whatever. That's just not true. I think just like any business, there's really good leaders and then there's everyone else. So yeah, that that's so true, right? We can you can sit around. I could, I could rattle off for you, a hundred people in this business that are phenomenal human beings and and doing a great job investing in the lives of kids, right? And I could right. I could choose to spend my time focused on the fifteen or twenty that I know I, I wouldn't want my own kids to play for, but but I don't know what right. that does good. I don't. I'm not going to breathe any life into those stories, you know. So right. it's all about it's all about being positive and and breathing life into the things that you value and. And uh, going from there, you know, you said something about COVID recruiting, which I'd be very interested to get your perspective on this or, or what you guys went through. You know, for us, you know, it's kind of like one of those things and different campuses treated it differently. But for all of us, I think we were recruiting a lot of kids to a campus they're never going to see until the first day of school. Right. Because we weren't allowed to travel and visits and all this kind of stuff kind of went out the window. Campuses were closed. So, you know, there were some things that we did to try to bring that clarity to guys. Um, but I'm curious, and this is probably another one of those old guy to young guy questions, but what are some things mm -hmm. you guys did creatively to create some clarity during COVID recruiting? A lot of film of guys that they may play like, um, that how we saw them fitting in, um, film of, you know, who, you know, they want to watch NBA guys and good college guys. Yeah. So a lot of film on who they could end up playing like, you know, we're not telling guys, hey, you're Bam out of bio, you know, like, you know, but you're showing things that Bam does that he will be able to do if he comes in to get better in four years. And then, you know, our um, commentator at the games or the PA guy at the games, he did a, uh, a drone footage of our campus just magically a couple months before. And it was really useful. Like where he just went around Beckley and the campus and we, we would just send that YouTube out. And then we'd, we really try and get individual about like, not just, Oh, this guy's a six, six wing. Let's show him uh, McCall bridges. You know, yeah. not everyone plays that way. You know, he may play like someone completely different. So we try and really get individualistic on like, yeah, you know, this guy does play like, him let's show him you know he could be like this so was there any strategies that you guys had you know like like we did the same thing like a drone video you know and i was like why in the mm -hmm. why in the world did we wait till COVID to do a drone video? right 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 how dumb am i <laughs> i mean i know we I'm all not, had some ideas we should have hit on earlier you know and it's kind of those things what are some things that were were now you're like man i've really care i'm really glad that happened because now i carry that over into my recruiting what are some of those things i mean i'm going to be brutally honest again I probably just need to stop prefacing with that but um I don't like I don't waste a bunch of time recruiting 
um, like when, if there's something I, we don't have to, you know, be at, then we're not gonna, like, I really want our staff to be with their family and doing things that's important to them. And uh, we've done a great job recruiting. So, I mean, it's worked here. I don't know if it could work at Kentucky, but you know, I, when, when we get lasered in on a guy, we get lasered in on the guy and we do whatever we need to do for that kid, that young man. And we're there and we're meeting his family and we're at whatever events we can be at. But like, like right now we're done recruiting for two years because we don't have a senior on next year's team. Our team's full. And there are two kids in the state that we're going to take if they want to come here, which we think they will. So I'm not like, I'm not going to go destroy myself at AAU tournaments when I can be with my family. And, yeah. you know, I get the networking thing. Yeah. But you know, it's also like a bunch of bunch of letdown. Like if everyone has a guy for you yeah. and all you have to tell them, every time, well, I'm full for two years. Well, then they're not going to want to like, yeah. they're not going to really want to talk about it. So our situation is different. Um, I'm not, it's not that I don't recruit. We recruit, we find guys we like, we recruit them very hard, yeah. but I'm not just going to aimlessly go around when I have a family and same with our staff. Yeah, hundred hundred percent. That's a good boundary and good perspective, I think, for you to for you to have for where you guys are at for sure. And and you got a good thing going, right? It'd be one thing if you were staring down the barrel of four and twenty-four or something, but you're not. Right. You know, you're really good. You know, you guys had two years ago for us, we went through uh, our best player got injured, you know, ten games into the year. We, we were rolling, mm-hmm. coming off a really good year, going well, and then he goes down. I uh, had a couple other things happen on the roster, and we literally totally did a one eighty and really shifted and kind of wrestled our way to the end. Um, that was our experience. I know this year you guys had a pretty key injury with Taman went down right mm-hmm. at one point in the year. Just talk to talk to the people listening about like what that's like in the locker room, what that was like for you guys and and how do you how do you navigate when when there's big roster shifts like that in the middle of the year? Yeah, and this this isn't a pity party, but I'll just walk you through our year just to like more so about what these guys went through. Cuz as coaches, you just have to like that return on luck that we were talking about, like you just have to keep it moving and paint a picture for what they can accomplish um, and be there for the guys that were struggling. But, you know, before the year, our, our, no disrespect to anybody, but probably our best guard, Darren Martin was out for the year average. I mean, he was a freshman. He was ridiculous. Uh, He had something happen to him where he didn't get to play at all this year. Um, So before the year started, it was really hard on team loves basketball. Great kid. Everyone loved him. And then, hey, Darren's not going to be with us this year. Um, you know, then midway through the year, we lost Tamon. You know, he's on pace to be an All-American. Um, and that was tough. I think that was, you know, the one where we were rolling. We were 15-2. and two, And we were actually going into a prior toughest um, league game of the year at Alice Lloyd. And if you know Alice Lloyd, it's just a really hard place to play. And their, their identity is so rock solid. They just go rebound everything. And, um, it's just a tough game. Then we went from at Al Soy to at Kokomo, which is, I mean, we know how they were. So it was back to back. And then you just lost an All-American and our guys, you know, all had new roles. Like when we got a lead, we just threw it to Tamon and something good was going to happen. So like, yeah, you may get a stop once, but you're going to get it the next time down. Okay. You got it next time. Like he's going to get us a good shot every time. So when we got leads, we were really good. And then you have a whole new identity and that was a tough stretch to figure it out, which we lost both those, but once we did figure it out, you know, it shifted towards Thomas Haley and, um, you know, really offensive rebounding because we didn't have as much shooting. But after we after we lost Tamon, um, we had a kid 
uh, just wasn't working. And um, we went our separate ways. And then um, we had Andreas Johnson, who was the number one three-point shooter in the country the year prior, fractured his ankle on a meaningless rebound, a meaningless game. And then um, we had Andrew Work the day before our national tournament game. We're, trust me, we were doing auto. We did not practice after all this. We were just say, trying to get people to a game and um, jumped up for auto rebound, just getting them moving up and down once we got to Alabama and someone was standing on the baseline, stepped on their ankle, fractured his ankle. So, I mean, we had we had 65 points per game sitting on our bench in the national oh, tournament. Geez. And it was crazy. But, you know, I mean, you look at the year, we were 26-6 and six, and we had two games canceled that we probably would have won. We would have yep. been 28-6. and six, And, you know, we had that rough stretch. But after that, these guys never blinked. It felt like every day we were walking to the huddle, I practice. I'm, I like, I feel it right now when I'm telling you this. I'm like, hey, come on down for the year. Next, This is the next week. Hey, you know, so-and-so, you know, isn't, isn't with us anymore. You know, hey, Andreas fractured his ankle. It was every week yeah. we were going to the team and saying, this guy's out. This is who we are now let's let's keep it moving like and every single person we called on was ready to go they didn't need 10 minutes they didn't need a game they were ready we had a walk on luke boss who i hope to hire one day he will be a better coach than i will who stepped right in like he had been there for five years and produced and is gonna play throughout his career and i've told him you know his whole career like you're gonna work work your way to where you're playing late in your career and he did it earlier than I thought. And I never doubted him for a second. And I think that, you know, credit to our staff that like, well, I feel like we do a really good job of making these guys believe in themselves and it's not fake and they feel it. So now they have that sense of confidence. And um, It was a hard year, but it was probably more meaningful than if we had had everybody and gone to the final four. Mm-hmm. Going back to your care acronym, you could almost throw in resilient if you need a, a third R. You've already yeah. substituted response for, for reaction. Uh, yeah. But where, where does that resilience come from? Is it the kind of kid that you brought in? Was it something that the team kind of got together and said, hey, just next man up? Or is it something you had to coach? Where, where do you think the genesis of that was? Uh, just what we talked about early, I think that trust, you know, we really take time. You know, we're not hard on them all the time. We really try and you know, spend time with them and get to know them. And like, when we see it's at the point now we see them, we know how they're feeling. They walk in the office. We know what type of day they're having. And um, once you get to that point, we just don't accept, you know, excuses or, Oh, well, you know, we lost this game because of what I like to no, know this is about us with, you know, we say return on attention. Like, what are you giving your attention to? You know, you're giving your attention to refs. You're going to be worried about the, you're going to be worried about, that's not helping you win the game. If you're giving your attention to someone talking trash to you, that's not helping you win the game because you need to give your attention to your teammates and that that's going to help you win the game. Are you getting the most out of, you know, what, what you're doing right now? We're not like, again, we're young and we're this, we're not going for any of that stuff. That's not helping you win. Like it, being a great teammate and competing is all we care about. And if you're not doing that, and you haven't, and my big thing is like, if you didn't communicate with me what you're going through, because we want you open door policy all the time. If you're going through something, come tell us because you should not be expected to compete at the standard we're going to hold you to in practice. If you're going through something, it's okay to go through something. Like you have to be a little vulnerable of like, hey, I'm going through this. And if you come tell us that, we're not going to 
coach you the same way. Rightfully so. We're going to help you get through that. And if you need to even take a break from practice, go do it. But if you haven't communicated with us that you're like, I failed this test, I'm struggling, then you're getting coached. And if you like, we score everything in practice, you lose three drills and it's not bothering you or something like you're hearing from us. We're like trust and loving each other is great, but we're also here to compete. And like that competition is going to take you, take you far in life. Cause we tell them all the time, like, yeah, we're young, you know, I don't know what it's like to have a family and, you know, go through things with your children and things like that. But I do know life is hard and that playing basketball and, you know, showing up for a random Wednesday practice might seem tough. Now you have no idea like what you're, what's coming and learning how to compete through these hard times is going to take you, take you far in life. Let's get into some fun questions as we get ready to close out the program. Uh, we'll start off with uh, you get a magic wand. Anything in college basketball, whether it be rules, whatever you want, you can make one change and we're going to live with it. What do you what do you want to adjust? Uh, mandatory time off from everything. Like, you know, it's just you you don't really have. I'm not going to say that. I mean, you have to be efficient with your time. I'm not changing the wand thing. I'm just saying that, um, you know, coaches should be forced to like take time to yourself and these players should be forced to get time away from you. like everyone needs to reset and uh, have some time with their family. Like, Hey, take a month off. Like June shouldn't be uh, fundraising and workouts with your team real hard. And then you got to recruit all July. Then August, your team comes back. Like these coaches, man, you deserve time. Like your family deserves some of your time because they put up with you during the season. And I think uh, we should, we should, uh, man, because I've seen it at the at division one level and everything. Like, it's just a nonstop. Like it's just known that this never stops. And that's, it's not how life should go, man. Your family deserves, deserves uh, a good bit of your time after the season. Um, coach, you, you mentioned good to great best book, right? You've ever read. So I'm going to get you off the gym count. So you can't answer with built to last. You can't answer with how the, okay. <laughs> right. You can't, we can't go mm -hmm. down the Jim Collins list here. So other than the Jim Collins genre, what's the best book you've ever read? I'll say range by David Epstein. Um, it just talks about how we live in this hyper-specialized world, how, you know, you're four years old doing cone drills and, um, not allowed to play soccer or football. <laughs> so it's just saying like, you know, and I, I think it's really important for people to read too, if you're struggling with your purpose and stuff, like um, it talks about how, you know, people find what they're best at when they're 50, you know, there are all these life skills you've learned along the way. It doesn't mean that you have to just do something for 50 years. You know, your purpose can change, your calling can change and um, random skills help you do be great. Like, you know, I, I feel like I was a great passer in basketball, largely because I was a quarterback and learning how to lead people, lead the passer. And, you know, I try, I put backspin on every pass I can throw because I try to throw a spiral on every like football I threw and baseball, like getting up under a rebound. So where you're not here and it just goes over your head, like fielding it, like all these different things help you that you're probably not going to learn in drill work. 
Yeah. Little known Jim Collins one for turning the flywheel. Have you read that? Mm -hmm. Like yeah. 50 pages or whatever, but mm -hmm. that, that's a good one. I like to uh, trade flywheels with you sometime for your. For sure. Anytime you want to talk Jim Collins, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm here for you. All right, Donnie, what do you got? Give us your dream dinner party. You get to invite three people over for a dinner party, dead or alive. Who's getting the invite from James Long? Mm. Jim Collins. Um, you know, I, I don't listen to like, uh, I'm not a huge music guy, but, um, when this rapper passed away, I was like, you know, this is interesting. I'm going to, uh, read about, you know, I'm kind of going to look into this guy cause everyone was so heartbroken and, uh, his name's Nipsey Hussle and he's my favorite artist. Um, around like if you listen to him in the beginning of his career and at the end he has the same message and he spoke things into existence and there wasn't fluff it was you know he talks about the marathon continues and he just talks about you know life has its ups and downs and you know he he never acted like he had this ultimate composure like he had everything figured out you know it was hard but you got you got to know what your purpose is or you're wasting air he said and you know he just talks about chasing this purpose and um, there's just a bunch of like, you know, he ra he rapped about things that I don't go through, but um, the parallels from what he's talking about really resonate with me. And he's definitely my favorite artist. He's all I really listen to. So um, Nipsey Hussle, Jim Collins, and I feel like you got to throw someone funny in there. It's a little comic relief, but I'm going to need uh, somebody basketball wise. So I'm going to go, I'm going to say Brad Stevens. Uh, he's everyone's cliche answer, but he's been a coach in college. He's been a coach in NBA now. Now he's really running the organization. So I'd love to just pick his brain. All right. I'm going to ask you another one here. These are rapid fire, right? So uh, we did best book uh, sport. If it were me, I'm coaching football if I can't coach basketball. So you're not allowed to coach basketball. What sport would you coach? Mm. Uh, mixed martial arts. I like mixed oh, martial arts. Okay. Yeah. Tell me more. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I would, I, to be honest, like I wanted to, I want to do jujitsu every day, but we don't really have anything in Beckley. Like if I was in a bigger city, I'll do jujitsu every day. I just think it's an art. I think you can never master it i think it's constant learning i love to learn um boxing like all these things like if you watch a mix, elite mixed martial artist they're like some of the most impressive people in the world i mean you have to stop you're fighting somebody you have to stop you have to be ready for everything and you have to you know stop takedowns and you know you're getting kicks thrown out your head and you're and like if you're watching and you don't really know what's going on it looks barbaric and stuff and you know these guys and women signed up for it you know, it's not like someone's making them do it. And it's more of an art to me, like watching little things like, um, you know, the faint, like fainting at things to get you to bite. And then, you know, it's just, it's, it's an art and I'd love to learn about it. Right. I like it. That's, that's uh, unique. I like these answers. We're getting different stuff from everybody. All right. Basketball one, you're up three. Uh, other team has the ball full court situation, four seconds left in the bonus are you fouling or are you not fouling just depends on the team for me um are we going to rebound at the free throw line uh 
are they going to know to not foul in a certain situation? Like if a leak happens and they're in a position where they can shoot it, it has to be a really trust. I have to trust them more than anything to foul there because I'm really probably going to let it play out just because my experiences have gone bad at the free throw line at times. And I don't think there's a right or wrong, but I think it's really important to know who your team is. Good stuff. James, thanks so much for taking the time and share a little bit about West Virginia Tech and the program that you're building there. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I've enjoyed this. I could talk for hours. I love, love this kind of stuff. Appreciate you guys. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Appreciate you coming on. We'll catch up soon.